0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 62 Who Knew. I want to thank you very much. As always, I want to thank my guests for the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Miss Laura Banner, uh, founder of... Uh, <laughs> I forgot what she's founder of, but she's a national <laughs> expert on Alzheimer's disease, on Alzheimer's, speaks throughout the country on it. And uh, we all, oh, it's funny, our, our four largest shows for the last... 58 weeks of showing shows have been always on, when I say largest, uh, largest audience, have been on long-term care insurance, reverse mortgages, Medicare, and Alzheimer's and other types of um, dementia. And uh, it just came back to me. Her website is Compassionate Education. Uh, so go to www.compassionateeducation.com to learn a lot about dementia. It was a great show. Last week we had a show that was all about reverse mortgages, and I'd like to uh, thank the national expert uh, that was on last week, so let me do that. Thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure being on. So that Because that was me. So that was last week. And this week, uh, because not just because that it's long-term care insurance awareness month but because these are our two favorite guests, or two of our favorite guests, and also two of my favorite people uh, that I've ever met. We all know each other now for more than a decade. And uh, In just a couple of minutes, we're gonna be joined uh, by Mr. Bill Comfort and Mr. Mark Goldberg, uh, two icons in the long-term care insurance world. Uh, there's so much happening in that world uh, that we all need to be aware of. Again, as you know, the premise of 62 Who Knew, we always start with the premise for our new um, viewers, uh, for just for everybody's um, information, for the last quarter, uh, for the first time ever, uh, we are averaging more than eighty-five thousand viewers per week. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't think I have much to do with that. I say that every week for 55 weeks. It's always the guests, uh, the quality of guests that we have, and and tonight is the best example of that. But what is the premise of 62 Who Knew, uh, for those of you that are just joining us for the first time? Well, as we approach 62, whether it be in your mid-50s, late 50s, almost everyone as you approach 62 Even though you've been thinking about retirement for some time, that number 62, that sticks. That goes, okay, are we going to take Social Security? uh, Or should we defer it for a later point in life? Should I keep working? Should I have long-term care insurance? Should I cash in my life insurance? The questions are endless as we approach that magic number of 62. And what's interesting about that is, uh, as somebody that is approaching that age very quickly, myself, my father, his father all of your fathers and their fathers. We all had those same questions about Social Security, income, should I pay off my mortgage, life insurance, long-term care insurance. Everybody has the same questions, generation after generation, except for this generation, except for my generation. We have one other obstacle to overcome, um, one more bump in the road, and what is it? It's the double-edged sword, the mixed blessing, if you would, of longer lifespans, because today in this country, if you live to be 65 and you're in a married couple, the odds are 50-50 that one of you is gonna make it to 90, 65 to 90. Let's do the math, that's 25 years. And the truth of the matter is less than 1% of the United States of America has the financial wherewithal to make it from 65 to 90. So who knew at 62 you still had two to three decades still to go in your life? And that's what we pride ourselves on here at 62 Who Knew, is bringing on guests every week to talk about relative topics that make that planning from your mid-50s, upper-50s, right to 62, right to 90, 95. And as we learn uh, a few times in the past year from our guests from the Weizmann Institute in Israel, and we're going to talk about that with our two guests tonight. Um, Soon that 90 years old is going to be 95 and 100. And I don't mean soon like in a generation. Soon, as in soon. So without further ado, I want to bring on uh, just two of my favorite people ever, Mr. Mark Goldberg and Mr. Bill Comfort. And we're going to bring them on screen. And there they are. Well, hello, hello, Michael. Well, Mark, welcome back. You're a regular on the show. And Bill, thank you for being here. Yeah,
1: Michael, why is it whenever I'm on a show with you, you constantly pair me with someone who's much better looking, much smarter, overall just, you know, has that cool, smooth demeanor? You know, is it a conspiracy to make me? Be, look, second rate.
0: You know what it, it is? It's working. Well, you know what's interesting is that that's all true even when it's just you and I. So I think well, I think that's, that's really interesting. You set him up for that one. <laughs> you did. That's, that's why I'm here,
1: Bill. That was a they high set him up and he <laughs> knocks him down.
0: That was a high soft lob right over the middle of the plate for the old half blind, uh, the whole half blind guy. So let's Real first talk. You. I wasn't aware that there was a long-term care awareness month. Is this the first one or has it been around forever? Whichever oh, one of been you want. for
1: a long time, but Bill can talk to it better than I can, but it, I don't know. It, it's got to be 20 years old already, right, Bill? Oh my God. I think so.
2: Uh, we're, yeah, 15, 15, 18 years. It, it started uh, by an association uh, that existed to promote uh, long-term care insurance awareness among insurance agents. I think it's actually... One of those things, whether it's permanent or is uh, is something that we all now just follow. But I think Congress even uh, recognized one. They did. They made it official. uh, Yeah. Yeah. As as being a national. I think anybody can make up a name of 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 awareness. the, uh, the, The this is fact this evening. It's the uh, Mark Goldberg awareness show, uh, <laughs> at least yes. part-time here. Awareness is correct. People need to be more aware. But in all
1: sincerity, the I don't think it was an accident that November was chosen as LTC Awareness Month to coincide with the fact that that is also the month that Thanksgiving comes. And when it comes to long-term care, uh, it's absolutely a family issue. And when when is it that more of us get together than any time than Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, this is particularly an important time for people to, who haven't seen each other, but maybe once or twice during the year who all of a sudden get together and they hear the stories about people within their family or extended family that needed some sort of care
2: and you know it's interesting if you if when you look at uh, the home care agency assisted living facilities nursing homes placements in in a facility or hiring of, of uh, professional uh, home care aides that typically spikes in January and February which of course yeah, as as you suggest Mark follows the holidays when mm-hmm. everybody's together. Family hasn't seen family in a long time. Sometimes the adult kids haven't seen parents, grandparents, older family members in a while. They gather for Thanksgiving, the other holidays. And I think not only are we approaching the holidays, but I think November's a great month. It's kind of a, a quiet month uh, in a way. December, we get into the heat of all the Christmas and other holiday shopping and Thanksgiving's reflective. Yes. And I think talking about this even ahead of Thanksgiving uh, is important because hopefully there's some things we can share with this you this evening, not only to begin thinking about, but maybe even being looking for uh, in your family or having some of the conversations as you gather for Thanksgiving and the holidays that are right around the corner. Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: Bill, you bring that up and um, I sent Mike, this. Uh, our esteemed producer here john uh, a couple of stats and one at uh, the, the the one at the top which whether you can put it up or not but i wanted to share with you as sort of a way to kick this off and i think you're you're aware of this because Roy, you're you're, you're the, not only the king of stats but you're the one that taught me that 52 percent of them are made up so uh, well, 47.3 was the yeah, most yeah. recent yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I thought I it
1: was 86.3 <laughs> um but but the stat was that, and I thought you, your audience would find this interesting, Michael, of all the people in the history of the world that has ever lived to see age 65, more than 50% of those people are alive and on the planet today. Wow.
0: That's unbelievable. That's just unbelievable.
1: So, again, when you said earlier about... Um, about, you know, your father and dealing with these issues and the future, the past generations, not so much. Yeah, it's 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 really been this, you know, another stat that uh, that I shared is that that, again, life expectancy over the last 50 years has increased more dramatically and more rapidly than the 200,000 years before that.
0: That that's staggering when you think about it.
2: And I think one so, of the things that's that is helpful, and this is an introduction to this the, this long term care awareness show in the middle of Long Term Care Awareness Month, is to recognize that this is also something that we're still learning to deal with as uh, as a country, as a society, but even more specifically in in families, mm-hmm. we don't have. Multiple generations of really good, successful history of navigating caring for our old, old, or more specifically, older family members who need care, who have some impairments, some limitations, mm-hmm. how, however that's measured, wherever they are in the continuum. Yeah, there certainly have been two, three generations of families where folks have lived a long time and needed care. Mark, that statistic that half of the people who've ever reached age 65 are still alive today.
1: Yeah. That just. we're
2: We're still learning about this. And in fact, we're still growing and developing resources, professional resources to help take care of people, community resources, service resources. And even the insurance products that are designed to help people plan for and pay for professional caregiving. Those are really only about 25 years old, particularly in the comprehensive quality that we know mm-hmm. uh, of them today. So that's, it, it's still, it's maybe not in its infancy, but I think we're certainly past our adolescence, uh, but still very much maturing at this point in experience.
1: Yeah, yep. and you, you, you again, you hit it right on the on the nose as usual, um, Bill. It's it's it is something that's still in its embryonic stage. Okay, maybe past like that. You said past its adolescence, but in its young twenties, um, approaching 30, and um, and and yet there's so much to go and so much change happening. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing as well. I mean, look at our industry. In the beginning, you know, I read a stat i think it was our friend mr hagelman a couple months ago um wrote an article in which he said of all the people that are going to purchase traditional long-term care this coming year you couldn't fill a college football stadium but the hybrid business has skyrocketed where it's going to be over a half a million uh people that will will uh, have purchased or looked at one of those kinds of programs. purchased one way or another invested in one of those kinds of programs so so again we're seeing that shift that we originally started out with one concept and as things have changed and we've learned more we've we've modified and improvised and came up with new plans and new ways to approach all this
2: I think it's, it, 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 in some ways, I feel like we're jumping ahead a bit with the long-term care insurance because that really answers a kind of a final question. How would you pay for professional care if you needed to? Where, you know, what is long-term care? What's the impact? What What are the things to look for, look out for? Where do you start the planning? But this is part of the growth, I think, and and the beginning to mature into Adulthood. If we want to kind of uh, play that analogy out, um, that we have all of these options now. We have many, many different ways to plan for, pay for, insure for um, professional care, long-term care, extended care, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I, it's just, just starting to be innovative that way. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, Michael. No, that's
0: okay. I'm, this is going to be one of those shows that I'm I'm just happy to listen to both of you. But one of the things that staggers me, and it staggered me for 10 years now, and I'm sure it staggered you for two or three times that, you know, again, I'm not going to say I'm lucky, but I'm definitely blessed, you know, to have a, a handful of people, you know, like you two. I'm not a long-term care. I'm not a long-term care insurance expert, but thanks to knowing both of you, Carol Golden, and of course, all our hero Peter uh, Gelbwax, I, I do get to have more knowledge than your average reverse mortgage person, thanks to the four of you. And it still just staggers me, even in my looking from the outside in. You know, still the misconceptions about this great product, and that kind of fits in with what you're both saying. You know, the product you know is in its adolescence, uh, maybe past its adolescence into its twenties. But most of us weren't that smart in their twenties. Um, life insurance is, of course, an accepted way of life, and I think I think that's one of the reasons why the hybrid products, and I'm going to need you two to explain hybrid to the audience in a much better way than I can, but I think when it's brought up as part of life insurance, pretty much everybody at every age goes, oh yeah, life insurance, we need that. They're not at that point where they'll say, oh, long-term care insurance, I need that. They don't say that, but they do. Do you think the fact that life insurance is an acceptable part of everybody's life is helping with the hybrid products. Somebody? Um,
2: what do you think, <laughs> Bill? Well, I yeah, the, the, the fact that there's a, a life insurance connection to and, and there's there are there's long-term care insurance benefits that are now connected to annuities, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the sort of traditional health care disability insurance kind of model of, of long-term care insurance. But I think the life insurance connection is one, we've had life insurance in the United States for 250 years or something. Yeah. So it's a it's a product, it's a concept people understand, they're comfortable with. Uh, to sort of throw out one of my favorite statistics, um, and it's actually the only one that we can truly prove um, without a doubt. And that's uh, at some point in your life, the risk of dying is um, quite high. <laughs> in fact, it's exactly 100%. Yes. So the, the perception that life insurance will ultimately provide a benefit, no matter what else happens, mm-hmm. is, is something people know. They They understand it. It's a simple concept. So adding a provision that lets you access your death benefit to spend that money while you need care if that's a more valuable use of those insurance dollars you've purchased is a fairly simple uh, concept for folks. And Mm. and I think that that has driven uh, a big part of the growth of those types of products. There's many variations on that and we could maybe get into that a little later. I I think the bigger thing here, really the message that, that I'm always wanting people to take away is it doesn't matter whether you buy life insurance with a long-term care benefit or annuity or some other form of long-term care insurance. The real thing, the real place to start is, is this gonna happen? And of course we don't know, none of us want it to, but if it happens, if we need care, if if we're impaired, if we can't safely get through the day physically or mentally, how are we gonna deal with that? How's mm-hmm. our family gonna deal with that? And that leads to recognizing that you gotta have some money at hand to pay for some professional care. And 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 so this long-term care awareness month is important not just to be aware of the insurance product, but also what happens when people, when families need care and what the impact is and what she can and need to do to to get ahead of it, to plan ahead for it.
0: Absolutely. Michael,
1: if I may, let me pick up on two points Bill just made, because uh, I actually want to get his, his thoughts on the second one. But Bill, you're, you have always been a huge proponent of the fact that it doesn't matter what product you use. What matters is that you have a plan. Right. Yeah. Because if you don't have a plan, then everything you've saved and everything you've tucked, that becomes your plan. Without a plan, everything becomes your plan. And so you, having a strategy in advance while you're still healthy that, on how you're going to deal with this is such a huge game changer in all likelihood over the course of your life that it can't be stressed enough about the importance of, such, of putting well, such a plan well, in
2: like yeah. Let's start here. Let, let's start with this point. And it's really, uh, Michael, you it, inviting us to the show tonight to talk about long-term care awareness. Everyone has a plan for care. Everyone has a plan for care right now, today. The problem is most people don't understand the default plan Mm -hmm. is number one, relying on your spouse to the point of impacting dramatically his or her own health, life and lifestyle, relying on your kids, extended family, friends, whatever. That's the first place. Those are the folks who are going to naturally step in. Why? Mm -hmm. They love you. They need to know you're safe. They need to help make sure you're safe. That's the plan everybody has right now. Even if you said, I want my kids to take care of me. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that for my spouse. Well, without setting up another plan, that is the default plan you have in place. Second piece of that default plan is the financing of it. People talk about, oh, I'm going to self-insure or can I self-insure or self-fund for long-term care? And one of the things that I like to point out is self-funding, self-insuring, that's not a choice you make in the future. That's the plan everyone has by default already today. Mm -hmm. And the question is, can you afford it? Or in affording it, in paying for it yourself, what else would that do? What would the other... You know consequences be financially uh and 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 you have to you have to play that out so the initial awareness here and, and mark it's great you know we kind of we always ping pong with each other uh this way and these ideas which is great the first thing to be aware of is you have a plan but the plan that most people have is not the plan that they really want to you know,
1: have a plan well, is a plan to fail there's no exactly that's right,
2: that's right. And, and and it is a it is a failure financially mm-hmm. and uh, personally for many people. And we read the stories about that all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I ran across, here's the second point I wanted to make you, um, Bill, and I want your opinion too, Michael, on this, because this was, I've been in this business 30 years as a long-term care specialist. And um, I could say to you that this caught me as a fresh definition, if you will, about insurance. That I hadn't heard before. And then basically it said, insurance is about intervention. It's about intention to, to restructure the potential outcome of a highly likely adverse future possibility so the point being that things are likely to happen when again uh, i know bill doesn't like this stat and i don't blame him because i think it's it's misused too but it, but the uh the stat that's floated around forever is that 70 percent of, of a couple of somebody um of couples at least one person will need long-term care well When the stats are that high, what you're doing with insurance is, in effect, disrupting that equation as to whether or not you're going to be part of that problem. Because when you have a third party who's going to pay the bills, that opens up and frees so many other things to uh, make care possible for you that, frankly, someone who isn't in a position to be able to pay for that is going to find themselves uh, being able to easily tackle What's
2: your thoughts about that definition, there, Bill? Well, I, just back to the basic definition, the basic concept that that, in, that insurance a, as a product and it is one that that it, it it's a positive disruption or a positive redirection of premium dollars into potential protection uh, benefits if something happens. It is a great definition, That that's the core yeah. idea. And and really, if you think about it, just to take a contrarian view on the statistics, and, and we don't really need to get into that, because the risk of needing long-term care, the risk of using a long-term care insurance policy is dramatically higher than most other things that we insure for, Right. Oh, yeah. readily, acknowledge the need for and spend the money on Uh, month in and month out as it is and and that's this even if the risk were very small the consequences the impact on people first your spouse your partner your kids uh, others who you love or as i said before who love you and would have no choice but to step in and help make sure you're safe by helping take care of you the, the consequences to those other people really compel the need to look at this and take it seriously, let alone the fact that it's, you know, 10, if not 100 times greater with significant impact than other things we insure for all the time.
0: But the problem... But when you think
2: about it in terms of, uh, you know...
1: Las Vegas makes its fortune off the statistics, that, you know, the rule of large numbers, which is exactly what's applicable to insurance as well. And and um, they know that if X amount of dollars gets wagered, they're going to put Y amount in their pocket. Um, so we know that if we live our life, a certain percentage of people, a significant percentage of people are going to need long-term care. If you have the ability to intervene on those statistics and make sure that you're not one of those people because you put a plan in place you change the game and you move the edge to your side of the house right and that's simply you know i mean i don't know how many other places you can do that in
2: life i think the other concept and, and and michael you know your your specialty reverse mortgages and some of the other things you've covered on this show really help provide Opportunity. Opportunity, flexibility, and and at the end of the day, money to, to help take care of yourself, to take care of yourself at the same time you're keeping other financial commitments, you know, to your spouse or your kids. Nobody wants to need care. Nobody right. wants to have a kitchen fire either. And in fact, nobody lays awake in bed at night wishing that they'd have a big kitchen fire because some you know homeowners' company's been ripping you off for 20 years. The nature of insurance is very much, we don't want to use it.
0: That's right. Yeah. But
2: if we would need to use it, man, there is nothing else that can deliver the change that, that Mark's talking about.
0: I want to Bill go. Bill makes
1: a very important distinction there too. Bill and I do not have the power to keep you from getting sick. We have, we don't have, and the insurance doesn't either. All it does is help you deal with the consequences of needing long-term care. In a financial sense, and an emotional sense, and all the other senses that having a cash flow to be able to pay for care will you win. It's not like because you get the policy isn't going to stop from uh, needing right. care. All it's saying is that if you need care, here's another way to go about it and not have to have it fall on that hard-earned life savings you put away.
0: Well, I want to, I want to go back to two things, and it's back about three, four minutes. Um, two things. You know, one of the things that you said, Bill, you know, that people are are aware and they accept the cost of other types of insurance and they pay it monthly, but they're more apt to use long term care insurance. And I think, I'm not going to say it's stupidity, but I'm going to say it's between ignorance and maybe even ego with a little love thrown in there. But using myself as an example, you know, my dad's been gone about 14 and a half years, but when he first developed, Um, congestive heart failure failure. the last year of his life, I thought to myself, you both know how close I was with him, this is my dad, I'm going to take care of him. It was only like nine months into it that I really did realize, you know, now suddenly I'm not running my mortgage company and other things were suffering and dad did not have long-term care insurance. Yeah, he was a very highly decorated um World War II veteran. So, between that and his Medicare and his Medicare supplement, he was well taken care of. But I would I thought I was fairly intelli- you know intelligent in my mid 40s, but I had no idea. None. You know, I was I was proud. I'm taking care of my dad. But 6 months, 8 months into it, I turned around and went, "My god, I need help." Um I don't think people in their and I'm not going to say pride because I know pride is is one of the you know the worst sins, but um, I, I think out of love, sometimes they go, well, that's my mother, that's my father. God forbid, that's my son, that's my daughter. I'm going to take care of them. They're not saying that egotistically. I, I just don't think most people realize um, what it takes to be a caregiver. Um, and I know the statistics that I don't have memorized that you said, Mark, I think the second time you were on the show about a year ago about the caretaker's Predeceasing the people that they're taking care of, that gave me the chills and still gives me the chills when you bring it up. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up just quickly, and then I'm letting you two take over again, because I know about the statistics. We had the three and four need more with our friend Jonas Roser. And some people say 75% of people are going to need long term care. Some people say 70%. Uh, one of the many, many things I learned from Bill, I think it was about six or seven years ago at a long-term care convention, I think in Texas, um, where I was speaking on reverse mortgages. And of course, I went to listen to Bill speak. And I, I may be misquoting you, so correct me if I am, but you were talking about the statistics that you truly didn't like. But here was the truth. He said, You said, I think, I, I hope I'm quoting it correctly. It's going to come down to either you're going to need it or you're not. So the true statistic is 50-50. You're going to need it, or not. There is no in-between. And I remember you saying that in your way, because when you speak, you're, you're, you're so emotional um, when you deliver your your messages. And I went, oh my God, he's right. Y- you can do all the statistics in the world, but it does boil down to either you're going to need it or you're not. And if you can insure against it and the cost, and especially with all your return of ri- return of premium riders, I just don't get, and I know this is pure ignorance on my part, why everybody in their 40s and 50s and 60s is not getting long-term care insurance. Your industry is basically taking the risk out, the financial risk. How can no one not want it? I just don't get it. It's frustrating frustrating as heck. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, just a just a slight. And numbers are funny, you know. We 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 throw numbers around, and different people perceive them in different ways. In uh, as a as a twenty five plus year veteran of long term care insurance sales, but also as an educator and of my clients and other agents and advisors. you know, if, if you tell somebody, hey, there's a 50% chance you're going to need care, it's a natural mm-hmm. human reaction to think, it's not going to happen to me. It's right. going to be the other guy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not wishing ill on another. That's just, that, that's the way we're wired, that's the way our brains work. So, Absolutely. this denial of not wanting to face the fact that it could happen is in in some ways uh, a very natural human psychological reaction. And what I see my job, what Mark and I do day in and day out first, and and I, I hope what part of the takeaway is from this show is that the awareness is that not to accept that it will happen, but if it does, that need for a plan to provide for myself and more importantly, to protect my family, protect my finances that pay for everything else that's important to me in my life, for myself and, and the rest of my family and those I love. That's really the process we want to engage in. So here's the number that I use. It's not that it's 50-50, it's for any individual. It's either zero or a hundred. In other words, you are either going to need long-term care or you're not mm-hmm. so any any person M- michael you or me or or mark it's not one out of three it's not 50 50 it's not 70 percent for each of us it's either zero or a hundred and of course zero is easy if it doesn't yeah. happen uh, you know uh, thank god
0: mm-hmm.
2: if it does happen we need to have a plan and i think kind of back to what are the solutions? And and you alluded to this, Michael. Why don't people have a plan, particularly when they can put money into an insurance policy? Yeah, I don't get it. That that would, if it's zero, if it doesn't happen to you, at least you or your estate gets all your premium back. Yeah. I mean... Where's the risk? Yeah. Yeah, Well, the risk is tying up money up front, right? I mean, the risk is having... To commit to a plan before the it getting
1: in exchange. I mean, so again, it's not like the money's not earning money. It's just not earning money, like like it might in the markets these days. Right. But it's but it's it's getting a return, and at the same time, it's giving you a long-term care policy. Yeah. that It says one way or another, someone's going to get paid.
2: So Mark, let me let me ask you 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 sure. not only sell long-term care insurance, you work with other uh, financial professionals, attorneys, cPAs and and a team of other insurance agents. And right. I, I think your experience is exactly like mine. So many people come to us really when it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. almost too late. You know, they've just put it off so long, and I think that's another just sort of. Lying in the sand, I, I, I'd like to put on the table during this awareness conversation. Well, I think
1: that's, you're you right. I think that's perfectly rightful for where you've got to act when you still have a, you know, the health to be able to qualify for it. Long-term mm-hmm. care insurance, Michael, you've heard me say this before. Long-term care insurance is not health insurance. It's wealth insurance. It's mm-hmm. about protecting your assets. But you need your health in order to get it
0: hmm.
1: Now, having said that, there have been a lot more solutions that have come to the market today in the form of critical illness and critical care type policies and and um, uh, non-insurance related products that you can help a broader group of people than ever before find some kind of solution. Uh, but but again, most people aren't aware of those. And unless they deal with someone like yourself or people on my team and the like where we're aware of some of these finer you know niche products. They're simply going to be told they can't get it, right? And then they go away and you know say, "Well, I guess I'm not." And, and that's really where part of the the miss has been in our business is that there there are ways to find solutions for people. So to your thank you for uh, you know sort of bringing that that up. You have to you you need to be aware enough to take action when you're still healthy enough to be able to qualify for it. Now I'll throw it back to you, Bill, on this because again I know you and I agree about this. In the sense that one of the other key parts of awareness is that long-term care insurance is, in the past, at least in the, in the 90s when we started, um, was considered nursing insurance. Yeah,
0: I hear right. that all the time.
1: And it's not. It's I mean, the statistics year after year show that it's not. Um, there's If you're a couple, there's less than one out of the 10 chance that you're going to actually go to a facility because you have a care giving mechanism at home or structure at home that's going to help take care of you. So if you look at how these policies get paid out and you're always been up to speed on this thing, it's more than 60% are getting paid at home. And thirty-three percent are getting paid in an assisted living facility or an adult daycare center. Less Mm -hmm. than 9% are getting paid at a nursing home. Mm -hmm. So these policies will help you stay out of the nursing home, will help you avoid the nursing home, which as you said earlier, Nobody sits around saying, I can't wait to get to that nursing home. Yeah. Spot
2: on. I think, I think a critical, critical understanding, a, a critical long term care awareness concept is that it is much more than nursing homes. Mm-hmm. The 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 continuum of care starts at home. 80% of people who need care in America today are getting it at home. 80% of the caregivers are family. Now, not because they wanted to, it's because they had to, because that was the default plan that was there. But then we have adult daycare that helps people stay at home more efficiently from a cost standpoint, Uh, assisted living and memory care, um, specially built memory care facilities uh, on an assisted living model. And and you're exactly right, Mark, most people with long-term care insurance don't ever end up in a nursing home now some do Uh, depending on which company or groups of policies you look at it could be you know nine percent to 25 percent end up there but what's interesting is people who have a plan particularly with long-term care insurance if they go to a nursing home it's temporary it's extended rehab time after Medicare stops, or it's end but, of life stuff, right. or, or exactly, or it's end of life and it's compressed. The time mm-hmm. frames compressed because you've had the opportunity to have all of those other options ahead of time. Now, this is this is so I, this, I, I deal with this every day in my practice. People look at, oh my gosh, the cost of nursing homes, uh, you know. 80, 90, 100,000 a year on average for a semi-private room. All true. Higher in in some states and a little less in others, but you know, 80, 90,000 a year for care in a nursing home. here's what I tell my clients, stop worrying about it. That's yeah. not your first problem. Your first problem is where will you get an extra over and above your regular budget and lifestyle needs? Especially if you still have a spouse or partner alive, where will you get an extra three or four thousand a month for part-time home care?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: See, most people can't afford that.
0: Of course,
2: and it gets real interesting, doesn't it, Mark? Because when we start to say, "Listen, I would recommend we at least do maybe a four thousand dollars a month policy." It's very affordable. You can afford it. It's going to cover this. You know that this. 80% of what you're most likely gonna face if you have a good plan. And, and clients say, well, what if I go to a nursing home and it cost 10 or 12,000 a month? Well, first of all, you've got a 4,000 month discount, but the reality is you're very likely never to end up there right. or not for very long. And so all of this talk, not only do I like, do not like statistics that overblow the, the general risk, I don't like, quote, nursing home numbers. Mm -hmm. It scares people. But you know what? Fear doesn't motivate folks generally. Fear or worry is a better emotion. does motivate people when you sit down with them and ask them, Bob, Judy, if either of you needed care, which of your kids would step in? How would you take care of each other? You know, you begin to put that personal... Hey, someone's got to
1: lower this... You can't,
2: be, you can't be... No, no, baby.
0: I'm
2: on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly why people have long-term care because right. life goes on. And by the way, life goes on when you need care. Uh, Michael, I think you and I talked about this the last time I was on the show. Mm-hmm. And, and that is not only do people have a misperception that it's just nursing homes or primarily nursing homes when it's a minority nursing home, most people also think it means being flat on your back in a hospital bed unable to do anything. Exactly. Even if that hospital bed's in your home. Right. Right?
0: Right. Exactly. That's what
2: most people do. think. It it starts with part-time standby supervisory experience because that's when you're at risk and folks begin to worry about you.
0: Yeah.
1: So you lead into something that's very interesting here, Bill. Um, and so for the remainder of our time, which is about 20 minutes, um, uh, I'd like to see because I, I always learn from you when we we when have these opportunities to have these kinds of conversations. The the um, the idea I, two weeks ago, Time Magazine, the November 4th edition of Time Magazine, had on its cover the headline "Your Robot Will See You Now," and it was talking about the changes on the horizon, on the immediate horizon of how we administer care in this country and how that's going to impact everything else from the products that we offer to help address that to uh, bringing on new challenges that we can't even imagine at the moment. And um, again, how innovation and technology are just going to completely revamp and reinvent the entire space. I mean, you mentioned caregivers before there's the baby boomer generation is still the fastest growing. So that means the 65 plus generation is the fastest growing in our society. And that will grow another 70 percent in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You're going to be uh, the stats are anywhere from 150 to 350,000 caregivers sh- short. In other words, more people are going to be needed to give care by a significant number than there are going to people are going to need care more than there are going to be people to administer care. Mm -hmm. And so innovation is going to have to fill the void, whether it's with robots or with breakthroughs in medical procedures or innovations in the pharmaceutical area. Again, for example, here's a couple of things to, to contemplate. I believe in the next 10 years, diabetes will be able to be cured not just treat it like a chronic illness as it is today. They have made inroads with the pancreas and other things to be able to address the reasons for diabetes, and I think that'll be cured. Dementia, which right now is, for most people, an eventual death sentence and and the like, where they can't do much to stop it, I think that becomes a chronic illness in the next 10 years. So now you'll take a pill, and it'll stop the plaque from spreading in your brain, and so, or you'll be able to diagnose it early enough that you can eradicate it and and get rid of it before it becomes Alzheimer's or any other dementia. So those kinds of changes are going to both change the face of of caregiving, but also bring on new issues that we have to deal with. And so I I think as we look forward to, you know, one of the big, big areas this article I remember reading, brings up is the whole idea of electra- um, Electroceuticals, the idea that instead of medication, you'll be able to implant something in your body that because all your brain does is send electric signals to the other parts of your body for it to do what you need it to do. These machines that you'll be able to insert, in you will be able to do that multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's, stroke victims, all that will disappear. Because you'll be able to get the signals you need, you'll be able to wear a watch. Already exists, you'll be able to wear a watch that can read your mind and send the signals to the part of your bodies that need to move or need to work in a certain way so as to let you live a more normal life. And that will completely change the way we look at how we administer care. Uh, Any thoughts on that,
2: Bill? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the question that I always ask is if you don't think. Let's just let's just take robotic care for a minute, and it's one of my um, sort of ideas I like to talk about. I've I've always been sort of a science fiction fan, and of course, as a kid, I'm going to date myself now. Remember the Jetsons, Rosie the Robot? Yeah, yeah. And and if you don't think we are ten, maybe twenty years at the most from having. That type of service and available in our home, and it might very well be led by caregiving robots because we're going to develop things mm-hmm. where there's the demand, and there's already an unprecedented demand and shortage of caregivers. I'm not saying you have to like the idea today. You don't have to like the idea today, and a lot of people don't. They think it's very cold, yep. very inhuman. Uh, they don't like the concept. I don't want to. I don't want a robotic caregiver. Well. How about in 10 or 15 or 20 years when that's going to be part of whatever is available because we just don't have the caregivers? If you're, and if you're skeptical that it's going to happen, really, I would ask you to remember what this was 20 years, years ago. That's, that's, right. that's
1: 12 years old, and look how much it's changed our life.
2: Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, it was a bag phone. You plugged yeah, it into your that. cigarette lighter uh-huh, right? and it had a cord. And you know what big? you could do with it? Mm-hmm. You could Stop make it. a phone call. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: Today we run our businesses and we're connected to the world through these things. So that same thing's gonna happen very rapidly with robotics. Now, let's let's Mark talk about something that that you and I talk about. And and Michael, you know, reverse mortgages and cash access to cash helps you plan for these things. But if you have long-term care insurance, that's built on a premise that it'll pay for a licensed nursing home, assisted living, adult daycare, or a formal agency. I don't know of one long-term care policy that uses the words robots or robotics in it as a covered service. Mm -hmm. And and I wrote an article recently, and the picture was a robot holding a wheelchair, just an illustration. And the title was, is your long-term care insurance future-proof? And the type, Mark, you know, this is something that we were were talking about ahead of the show. You can actually buy long-term care insurance that gives you unlimited flexibility for what you pay for. You may not like robots today, But what if it's available? Or what if it's something else that we haven't dreamed up yet? How are you gonna pay for that? It's a good question.
1: You've hit it right on the note. Again, in my opinion, and I'm biased for for whatever reason, because my experience suggests it, to have, and you have the option now, to have plans that pay you in cash, do not ask you for receipts or bills that can be interpreted as to what's qualified and what's not qualified as as a legitimate expense but simply contracts to pay you cash and allows you to do whatever you want with the money. If you if you're and your wife are qualified to make a claim, for, you hit the triggers to make a claim, if you decide that you want your assisted living facility to be on a, an around-the-world cruise ship, then assign the, the the thing to them and check yourself on board. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you have the flexibility to do it. I don't know what the future holds, but i pretty sure cash isn't going to go out of stock. Right, it's exactly right, and 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 so if I if you give me the option to have cash all day long, that's what I want to do. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's
2: at least three or four policies that come immediately to mind that give you that option. So we've actually seen we've actually seen a a a resurgence or a reemergence of of what's called a cash benefit or cash indemnity long term care policy, and that has been through these linked benefits with with life insurance used to be available on uh, a number of different traditional products and care carriers kind of backed away from it because it's a higher risk for them that once you need care the barn doors open and the cash starts flowing um but we're actually seeing it available now uh like you said f- from multiple sources and and that's exciting as a planning tool and option i think it's really uh, important there's a a a phrase i heard recently that i really like and and uh, michael it goes right to the heart of your your show the introduction that you make to each of the shows and that's this longevity is a risk multiplier take any of these risks that 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 we talk about um care. um running out of money, being able to live and survive and pay your bills through a a down market that hopefully, or we would expect, would recover at some point, Mm -hmm. and long-term care. You add longevity to any of those other risks and it multiplies it. The risk of running out of money in retirement, if you live from 80 to 85 that's a multiplication beyond just five years. Oh, yeah. You go from 85 to 90, it's an even bigger multiplier. And for long term care, think about it this way if you're successful living to 80 or 85 or 90, if not longer, is it reasonable you can need care for a few years along the way? It has to and be. And longevity multiplies that reasonable risk that we look at.
1: Never heard of so, it that way before, Bill. It's brilliant the way to put it. But yeah. Michael, if we were going to have a takeaway, what you just heard in the last few minutes from this from this um, conversation between Bill and I and yourself, is that this is why it's so important that in this month of LTC awareness, that your your viewers of this show understand they need to work with a specialist when that's it right. comes to the, the 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 their money the person that's managing their money, their financial planner, their their accountant, who their estate planner, whoever. They're, they're working with, is probably not aware of the nuances. No way. They have yeah. one or two products that they've had brought to their attention. They've had it there for a long time. They know it, so they're comfortable with it. So that's what they offer their clients. A specialist like Bill is, like myself, we understand that there's not one size fits all. And we've got to probe deep enough to find that best fit and then be able to apply it. But just being aware of those options gives us an advantage to help people that, the average you know person on that that caused this their profession uh, just simply can't match
0: no that's exactly right stress that
1: enough
0: well without a doubt with just a little more than three minutes to go uh, i wanted to cover a little bit of the new products we're not going to get to that but hopefully you guys will come back after the first of the year or or maybe even in the middle of december during the slow time um and come back and do this again with us um it's just like i said you brought up vegas before you know as an analogy Um, With your return of premium can you imagine I I forget how many tens of millions of people go to Vegas per year I forget the number. I'm certainly one of them, but can you imagine how much?
1: Forty-five million a year. Visit
0: Forty-five million. Without me, that would be forty-four million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand. But that's another subject. So anyway, thank
1: God
0: you're going. It's so a good. I put. Sense. Yeah, I put that right over the top. But can you imagine if there was just a big sign at, at the Bellagio or the Venetian or the MGM that said, "Gamble all you want. If you win, you get to keep it. If you lose, we'll give it all back to you." There wouldn't right. be 45 million people visiting Vegas. There would be 5 billion people visiting Vegas. And that's the type of products that you have now. And I just don't get it. And Like you said, Bill, a, a little while ago, people call when it's too late. You know, you can't call for fire insurance when the living room's on fire. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just amazing. To me. Actually,
1: it goes to Bill's point before. Nobody wants to think about it because the sad news is that only 7% of the population that should have it has it. Mm-hmm. That's
2: right. And and, to, and, and, and uh, Michael, to extend your Vegas analogy, people who say, oh, I'm not going to worry about it or, oh, I, we ought to be able to self-fund or we're going to take care of it ourselves. They're really not self-funding or self-insuring. Most people who say that, think that, believe that, they're betting. They're yeah. betting that it won't happen. That's right. And I had, had a friend say this to me, and you know, going to Vegas, and Mark, I know you know this, the crack poker player that you are, self-funding or not having another plan with at least a, 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 a meaningful uh, amount of, of insurance, it's an all-in bet. That's right. You risk everything because mm-hmm. where else can you get the money to pay for care if you haven't made a plan?
0: And that gets, yep. back, yeah, that gets back to a statistic from my industry, and our industries are so similar, that the number one reason people above 65 years old go bankrupt in this country, by far, is medical bills. Mm-hmm. It's not their loss of job or anything like that. They're in their 60s and 70s. It's medical bills. It's just staggering to me. We've talked about robotics before. We only have a minute left. I wanna, um, but we never did talk. That's the first time you've ever brought up, uh, Mark, these implants. Um, yeah, the
1: electroceuticals, that's that's I've a huge, never, huge area. And there's so much more. I mean, again, uh, the ability to insert um, uh, plastic or whatever, body parts. You know, look at all the replacements. I got friends with, with both shoulders replaced, both knees replaced, both, you know, hips replaced. I mean, it, it, and, it, and it's just the ability to just extend life by simply replacing our, our body parts is going to expand greatly. And it goes on and on with, that, with all that Let's have another show, like
0: you said. Do you have anybody about. you think from that industry that we could bring on as a guest? That, to me, staggers me. That's, that's Star Trek, 23rd century. You know
1: Let me think about that. I think there's a couple of people I have in mind that you could probably bring on.
2: That, that, there's, some, uh, there's some sort of future shock. Uh, future, we got 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, tech folks who I think could, could really speak to this. and, five, and their theme. Wait like, a
0: 3 Four, three, two. We're going out of time. Thank you both so much.